0: contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome back to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt, another Brandt's Rants edition. This is Brandt's Rants at the Combine. This week is that annual ritual, the Scouting Combine. I'll talk about that, give you some thoughts on the franchise tag as we hit the deadline of course here we are right before the deadline no tags we'll talk about deadline spur action there give you sort of insight take you behind the curtain of what's going on now in team offices we're a few days before March 9th that is when it all transfers over the 2017 league year you know players have been signed but they were reserved future signings up until March 9th that means they're sort of in this limbo status before they become active members of 2017. We don't even know the cap number yet. We don't really even know the franchise tags. But all in due time, the NFL gives you that stuff later. And the cap room is going to be plentiful because, as I've talked about before, teams can carry over money from one year to the next, giving ample room. You have teams like San Francisco, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Bringing over forty million dollars of cap room, so let's say the cap is a hundred and sixty million, they'll now be at two hundred million dollars. And as I say, the team spending minimums are based on the actual cap, not the adjusted cap. So it gives teams a great advantage; they only have to be judged on what they spend, say this year on the one sixty, not the two hundred. Huge advantage there combine in indianapolis every year it's a talent show it's a meat market players are poked and prodded and tested and interviewed over a three-day span they come in by position teams check them out a couple notes on the combine number one we always get excited about the measurables the fastest speed the the most 225 reps on the weight lifting the biggest vertical jump all those kind of things and they're great but they all go into a mix and you know you have people weighing different sides people say the game tapes much more important than the combine people say the measurables are more important than the game tape listen to me it's all in the mix you take a player you throw the stew in there and you have everything in the pot you see where you come out on a player it all matters in terms of the drills and and the weighing of everything listen I don't think it matters that much. My experience in 10 years with the Packers has shown me that the board is now created, pretty much created. Here's what happens. At the end of the season, all the scouts come in from their six months on the road, and they sit in that dark room with the general manager and the decision makers, and they set up the board. They set up these hundreds of prospects on the board that you've seen, they've seen, all these months. So you have the players above the first round, above the second round, above the third round and so on and so forth and they're set up. Now the combine is really more of an affirmation process. Do these players kind of fit the numbers they already have? They're not going to change much and you don't change players much now. There will be a freak performance at the combine or two or three or five That will change a player maybe up half a round or up a full round even or down a full round. But that's about it. So all the things coming out of the combine, it's important to note, they're not going to change the boards of teams much. The boards are created from mid-January until late February in painstaking, grueling, grinding sessions of watching tape and all these guys letting the scout present the guy, letting the national scout weigh in, letting the general manager weigh in, and then putting him in whatever round he was, whatever part of the round they think he's going to go in. And that's how it's done. You don't see wild fluctuations after play, after teams head towards the combine. It's just not going to happen. Combine's also time for business. You do have a lot of teams meeting players. It's the unofficial start of free agency Don't talk to me about tampering. We all know what happens. And maybe not even in the most uh, obvious terms. I was there. I would say to agents, hey, I see you guys going to be a free agent, a guy maybe we were interested in. I wouldn't say, hey, let's negotiate. I would say, hey, what would you be looking for for that player? When he's a free agent, what kind of deal are you looking for? Is that tampering? Well, again, tampering comes in different forms. Now we have a legal tampering period right before it starts. But everyone in the league knows things happen during the combine. Teams actually set up shop in lobbies of hotel and agents come and meet with them ostensibly about their own players. But sometimes they get into players about to be free agents. We'll talk about free agency next time. A last point about the combine, the interview sessions. I always found they could be the most interesting about players, not in the typical sense because nowadays Everyone is not not only coached up on how to run faster, how to lift more, how to do the vertical, the shuttles, and all that. When they go to these combine, pre-combine camps, the moment they sign with an agent could be as far back as December 1st, but they're also coached up on interviews. They do mock interviews. They figure out what to say. They're coached up on how to talk when they go into these teams. It's always interesting seeing these guys come into team meeting rooms and they start a story and then you sort of look at them and they're wondering, did I just tell this story to these guys or was that to the other team? Because they're really going through so many interviews. But I always found the key was to get guys off script. To get them off what they're, what they're supposed to be talking about and on to things that maybe they weren't prepared for. Because I always found the most successful people in life can not only focus, I think all of us can focus but can they refocus? You know, in the eminent words of philosopher Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan until they're punched in the face. So what happens when there are obstacles to what these guys are prepared to answer? And I always look for that. So while the scouts and coaches were asking the football questions and we hear the, you know, the cliched answers, I love my mother. I love my coach. I love my team. I love my university. I love wherever I go, blah, 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 which to me it was useless, had no probative value. I would ask, so tell me something about yourself that we don't know. Tell me what you, the thing you did most proud of in your life that when no one was looking. Tell me a failure in life. Tell me when a friendship soured and why. Tell me when you had a beef with someone and how'd you resolve it. And then I'd go into a series of questions. I'd say, what do you do when you get up in the morning? They look at me, they say, you know, get out of bed. I say, what do you do or they'd say, go put on clothes. I said, what do you do before that? They look at me and they say, uh, brush my teeth. I said, what do you do before you brush your teeth? And they, they kind of look at me cross-eyed and so did my coaches and scouts. But listen, I told them, I was looking for the guy that did a hundred pushups before, first thing out of bed. I was looking for the guy that turned on his little light, did an hour of studying, not to wake up his roommate, get ready for the day. Looking for the guy that Organizes, they day, reorganized it before he did anything else. I want self-discipline. You want self-motivation. I find those are the key characteristics for success in life. So you look beyond that. And I think we had some success finding those players. That's the key to the combine interviews to me, to get them off script, get them off the rehearsed answers they've been preparing for months. Obviously, they're preparing for the physical stuff, but they're also preparing for these interviews. See what they're really like behind the curtain, behind the cliched answers. So the combine goes off this week. It is sort of the annual convention, the annual start of the 2017 league year, and here we go. On the business side, contract-wise, really what's going on now, as I said, is the tag deadline. To me, the tag has really morphed. I remember being an agent back in 1993 when the tag came into existence. There it was meant to be kind of the NFL version of the Larry Bird rule. It was something where You keep the huge, big-time franchise players' quarterbacks, the John Elways, the Dan Marinos, Brett Favre, Troy Aikman. It was a way to keep those guys around. Of course, teams are smart, and it has morphed into something completely different, much more powerful, where the tag is, allows a team to take a player off the market at whatever position, their best free agent, and keep him there so he can only negotiate with one team, not 32. It's a huge restriction on free agency. People don't pay a lot of attention because it only affects 10 to 15 players, but really it affects more than that because you're doing a negotiation that affects the ceiling at that position, and that's going to affect all the trickle-down negotiations below that. And as far as players having leverage, well, they have leverage to get high earnings for one year, and yes, no one's complaining about how little they make over that year, but they have no security. And players are human beings. They want security. They want to, quote-unquote, get married and not have the team date them which teams like to do. They don't want to risk. They don't want to sock in $50 million of guaranteed money to these guys. They'd rather rent them year by year. Even Kirk Cousins, where I hear he has so much leverage. Well, he has great leverage to get a one-year $24 million deal, but he has no leverage to get the deal he wants long-term because long-term, the Redskins are going to negotiate how they negotiate, knowing they have the tag as a backstop. That's tremendous leverage where the Redskins know they can negotiate aggressively, firmly. Hey, last year, Cousins got a $20 million franchise tag. The team was negotiating at a $15, $16 million a year level. And of course, he took the tag. And now they're negotiating at a who knows what level, but not a $24 million level, which is what the tag is. So, he'll end up at the tag. And Kirk Cousins is almost too nice for this, because... He's going to be around for the offseason. He's not going to make any waves, and they know they can tag him without worry about any kind of chemistry issues from their most important player. So that's an advantage for Washington, not what I hear a lot of people say an advantage for Cousins. Next year at this time, yes, he may have huge leverage, but we're talking about right now. So the tag is there. I don't expect much to happen. This deadline of March 1st is really sort of a placeholder deadline. The real deadline, of course— is July fifteenth when negotiations that have gone on for weeks, months, magically resolve? You know my saying: deadline spur action. Finally, on the con- on the tag. Listen, if anyone says I'm going to not play on the tag, please. When's the last time that happened? Players are not going to do that. They may miss camp. They're not going to miss the season when these million-dollar-a-week checks start. So. There we go on the tag, and we'll look ahead to free agency next week. Free agency to me is always the same. You have 10 to 15 lucky golden ticket winners, and everyone else, it's a mash pit. Don't tell me about how much cap room, how teams are going to go crazy. Most teams sit out the early portion of free agency. It happens more teams every year sit out than go crazy. We'll have a few teams go crazy, but they will be the few. That's my edition of Branch Rants for Combine and and Franchise Tag Week. We'll look ahead to free agency next week. A couple appearances coming up if you happen to be around. I'm at the uh, MIT Sloan Sports Conference, the major sports conference on analytics and beyond. This weekend, March 3rd, I'm speaking on sports and marijuana. And a week later at South by Southwest, I'm speaking on sports and gambling. Sense a theme here. But continue to listen to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt on iTunes, Stitcher. Tune in, RossTucker.com, wherever you find your podcasts. And follow me at Andrew Brandt at Twitter. Look forward to catching up with you again next week on The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft podcasts, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.